What's up, guys? In this podcast, I'm going to uh, talk about a few things that basically you guys suggested. Um, and this, I kind of have sorted out your your ide- podcast ideas in kind of a um, more relevant way in terms of this episode where it's just like all NFL stuff. So if you ask a question about um, certain things regarding the draft or just philosophy draft questions or whatever, I still will get to those. But I'm going to do that in a separate podcast to kind of keep things organized by uh, by general topic. So um, first things first, let's talk about can Tom Brady play until after he's 45 years old? Like, can he continue to play football? And um, number one, he's 43 right now, <clears throat> right? And at age 43, I obviously didn't think he was washed up going into this season. Um, and he's come out and thrown 40 touchdowns, right? So he's, you know, proven that he's still has some something left in the tank and he's and to me <clears throat> his arm strength excuse me looks almost better than it did last or it looks like it might be improving over at least what it was last year now that may just be because he actually has guys to throw the football to down the football field deep down the football field is what i mean and um you know so that's definitely it, it could just be that it could uh it could just be the system that it's featuring that a little bit more than what we're typically used to um, but overall, I think that the way this guy takes care of his body and the way he's just so smart, you know, like there, <clears throat> we saw some examples of him earlier in the season where I tried to tell you guys it was not a physical limitation thing when he was having some struggles at times early in the season. I tried to tell you that it was just a new system. And I think we're starting to see that, right? I mean, he's in the Super Bowl in his first year. So I think um, next year, it would make a lot of sense for at least next year when he's 44 for that to be an even better season than this year. <clears throat> now, can he play until he's 40? Like, can he be playing football at age 46? I think first I have two things on that. So definitely he could, right? I think that's possible, but I think that at some point, at some point, father time is going to catch up to him. Right. So so we may see at age 45 or age 46, maybe even age 44, we may see some uh, physical decline in in terms of just like he can't quite make that throw anymore. He can't quite do this physically. But the weird thing is, and this was similar to what Drew Brees just went through in New Orleans with with physical decline. The mental part of the game is going to continue to get sharper for him. So the physical decline is going to have to be enough of a physical decline to compensate for uh, what he does mentally, you know, meaning like with Drew Brees this year, we saw particularly this year, but we've seen it really even going back to last year, situations where he just doesn't try certain throws. And once you become that, once you become a guy that cannot make uh, throws intermediately or deep down the football field, consistently opposing defenses are able to just hone in on that and they're able to basically eliminate a a, a huge portion of the threat, right? Because when you have a guy, when you're playing against a guy like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, you have to be on your toes everywhere on the football field. When you are playing against a guy like Drew Brees was this year, you don't have to worry about certain routes. You just don't have to worry about it. You know, now obviously you're not going to let a guy run free down the football field because anybody can still make that throw. But when you when you talk about having to make a throw in the intermediate to deep parts of the football field um, into relatively tight windows, 
that's a different animal than just making a throw to a wide open guy running a go route. You know, so uh, that's what we saw with Breeze this year. And at some point, we will see that with Tom Brady. We will see a physical decline, right? He's not going to be playing until he's seven. Because if Brady, let's just, you know, say that he's not human and there is no physical decline, he'll play until he's 100. Like, he's going to just keep playing. So he's not going to stop playing until he can clearly see that he is holding his team back. And that is not even close to happening at this current time. Um, I don't think it'll happen next year. I think when he's 45 and that, so I think he'll end up resigning after this year to an extension, which is my opinion. Um, And I think that he'll at least try to play at age 45. I think that might be his last year though. I can't see him realistically like, I mean, if there's no decline, like I said, he's going to keep playing, but if he's able to play like this for another four years, I will be absolutely stunned, you know, or three years. So I think he's got two more years left after this. That's my personal just gut instinct reaction. I think he's got another two years. I think he plays um, through age 45. And then I think depending on how he's doing, depending on how, you know, if he's holding his team back or not, I think that's when we'll see that kind of decision made. So definitely possible. Um, I definitely think he'll succeed with his goal of playing at age 45, but I think that might be it. Um, uh, all right. So next thing is, should the Minnesota Vikings trade Kirk Cousins? I've heard rumors about the 49ers trying to get Cousins with a second and a fourth round pick and, and as well as Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's um, very much far fetched, at least in terms of the compensation. Now, I could definitely see San Francisco trading for Kirk Cousins. I could see that, right? But what makes it unlikely? Number one, the Minnesota Vikings just gave Kirk Cousins a $30 million signing bonus just last year, right? So one year ago, they they shelled out 30 million bucks. When you do that, when you give signing bonus dollars, we went over this yesterday a little bit in that podcast, just in terms of how to manipulate the cap. Um, When you give away a big $30 million signing bonus, you typically do not want to trade that guy right now. As I mentioned yesterday, it doesn't, it's not the end all be all, right? If you feel like, hey, we are inevitably heading into a rebuild, you know, we don't, um, we don't think Kirk can take us to the promised land, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to do that, that's fine, but you're not going to do it for a second and a fourth round pick. Like, guys, I gave the example, I believe it was yesterday in a podcast about um, the Panthers drafted a kid named Rashawn Golden out of Tennessee, defensive back in the third round just a couple years ago. That guy is no longer in the league, right? Or, or if he is, I think he's on the practice squad for the for the Washington football team or for the Giants or something like that. But he's point being a second and a fourth round pick. That that those guys might you might get two solid starters. So now let's really think about that. Why the fuck would you trade a guy that what did he have thirty five touchdowns to like twelve picks? A guy, that quarterback for maybe maybe two average starters that's not going to help you rebuild like you're going to have to hit an absolute home freaking run to like make that a worthwhile trade for you it's, it doesn't make any sense and then Jimmy Garoppolo in my opinion if you were to trade Jimmy Garoppolo right now <clears throat> alone I, I don't think you'd get anything more than a third round pick anything more than that. Like, I think maybe a third round pick, especially because, you know, he doesn't have, 
especially for a team that would trade for him. You, you don't owe him any dead money. It would be completely scot-free in terms of that, as, as far as that goes. But it would still be, you know, if you're if you're going to have him on your roster, it's going to cost you, what, like $25 bucks, some, somewhere in that range. He's, you know, he's paid over $20 million a year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Jimmy, to me, that would be like getting a two and, and maybe two fours, you know, for Kirk Cousins. It's like that does nothing for you, right, especially when you consider you're going to have to eat the dead money, right? Now, yesterday I explained that I think dead money is a little overrated, and it is because you still get cap relief and you already paid that guy that money, but it still counts, right? It's still it's still like you just gave him 30 million bucks. You don't want to just trade him, especially not for that kind of compensation. Another question I got was, uh, what does the Matthew Stafford um, trade and uh, compensation basically mean for a potential Deshaun Watson deal? So Stafford commanded two ones, a three, and Jared Goff, right? And the Jared Goff part is the, is the, is the really tricky one um, in terms of like how would that affect Deshaun Watson? Because how do you measure the Jared Goff? Like what if Jared Goff was just traded by himself somewhere what would that compensation have been? And, um, you know, with, with the way Goff hasn't really played very well as of late, he's been okay. He's had moments um, coupled with his contract makes him, especially coupled with the fact that in his contract, there's a big roster bonus and there's roster bonuses um, every year. But tip, uh, especially, I believe it's this year or maybe it's next year, one of the two, he has a $15 million roster bonus that if he's on your team still, it's guaranteed. So it's like, I think that slightly hurts his value, but overall, um, I mean, it's uh, it's hard. I, I would say that he's still worth more than Jimmy Garoppolo, in, in my opinion. I mean, he's definitely paid more, but in terms of trade compensation, if if both if each of those guys were to be on the trade market and traded right now, I think Goff commands more than Jimmy G. I think Goff's probably like a second rounder, excuse me, in my opinion, because dude, the guy's a former first overall pick. He's been to a Super Bowl. Um, he's had some really good moments in the NFL, and they and, and the sample size on those good moments is more than just like one season. It's not like Carson Wentz here. I think his trade value is much greater than Carson Wentz's, in my opinion. Um, I know some people would disagree with me there because they like the raw talent of Wentz, uh, which is probably greater than Jared Goff's. But, man, Goff, his high moments look really, really good. And I think that he's a guy that easily – could uh anyway i'm not gonna get into that but point being let's just say um jared goff equals a second round pick so that means stafford's compensation was two ones a two and a three so now what would deshaun watson's deal be now keep in mind deshaun watson is making more annually than stafford okay so there's that <clears throat> and that made stafford much more appealing because Again, the Detroit Lions gave him a $50 million signing bonus, and that contract is as old as 2017, I believe is when it was issued. So we've had 18, 19, 20 to like of years that, that would kind of appreciate. Like if Stafford was to sign an extension right now, it would be a very, very large one. It would be $40 million a year, somewhere in that range. I think Stafford will be wise to play this year out throw 40, 50 touchdowns next year and then be like, all right, I want 42 million. You know, I want some crazy amount of money uh, per year. And I think the Rams would give it to him. Uh, but but just in that aspect, that made Stafford's trade value a little bit more because he's on a relatively cheap 
quarterback deal, if you will, especially because, again, Detroit paid him that $50 million signing bonus. So um, that makes that's a little bit of an advantage to Stafford there over Deshaun Watson, but Deshaun Watson's much younger. Deshaun Watson is um, his deal is not like anything that's going to scare anybody away. That's for sure. And um, so what do I think this means for Deshaun Watson's deal? I think it's good for the Texans if they were to trade Watson. I think, in my opinion, the Texans are playing the situation exactly how I would play it in terms of, look, man, it's business at the end of the day. You're not going to come in here and tell me that I'm trading you. You're just not going to do it. Like, I look, if, I, if you don't want to be here, I'll tell you this. Let me try and see what I can do. But there's no guarantees. I am absolutely not going to trade an elite quarterback for peanuts because you don't want to be here. That's not how this works. You signed a contract last year. Right. So so from that standpoint, I think the Texans are handling it right. I think what they've said in terms of like, you know, we're not trading to Sean. No, thanks. I think that's the exact right approach, especially the, the right approach that you should put out there publicly so that people know, you know, that they, they can't lowball you, um, you know, because even if Sean Watson sits out a year, you don't lose anything in, in terms of trade value. And you're not a team that realistically, you know, is going to be in contention for a Super Bowl next year. So it's like. There's, you know, no sweat off your back if he does sit out for a year. I mean, that's not what you want, right? But I think that just would eat away at Watson. And I think ultimately you would win that battle uh, in the long run because I think he's a guy that loves football and wants to play. Plus, he loves his teammates and he doesn't want to, you know, just sit there and pretend to be injured. Like I think Mike Tannenbaum was saying that, um, you know, what if Deshaun Watson shows up to camp and has a quote-unquote bad back, something that's very difficult to prove. I'm not worried about that because – even if he sits out a year, his trade value is going to stay relatively intact. You know, I think if the team just goes into it with that approach that like, we don't give a damn if you sit out for a year, I think that's the right approach. And, um, but in, in regards to what this Stafford deal means for Watson, look, man, I think Deshaun Watson will command. There was somebody I heard, I think it was on ESPN or something. I randomly caught this clip on YouTube that, uh, that, he was offered, I mean, uh, the Rams, when they inquired about Watson, were told that they not only wanted like three ones, but they also wanted um, their best two defensive players, which would probably be Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. And of course, Aaron Donald being the best, um, didn't mean to mention Ramsey first there, but that's insane. Imagine if that's really what they want. And, I, and if I'm them, that's what I want. I want like real compensation in the form of good football players and draft capital because if I give away my franchise quarterback we're obviously going to need draft capital because we don't have any right now but I also want elite football players in addition to because the draft capital let's face it it's a 50-50 at best 60-40 proposition of you getting you know somebody that's a really good player and it's also about a 10% chance of you getting another Deshaun Watson, right? So so you want elite football players in addition to draft capital, uh, most certainly. And I think that, in my opinion, I, I would say this. For me, if I'm the GM of the Texans today, you want me to trade Deshaun Watson, I want three ones and at least one elite football player and at least another very good one. So let's just say this. The Panthers call me. I'm the Texans GM. Um Nick Casario, we want to give you Teddy Bridgewater and three ones. I say no. I want Teddy Bridgewater. I want three ones. 
and I want, I don't know, man, uh, Jeremy Chin and Dante Jackson or something like that. Like That's the minimum, I think. Jeremy Chin only because he's potentially an elite football player. Not quite. You can't call him elite just yet after just one season. But uh, Or, for example, how about this? And this would be devastating to Washington football team fans. But if, if Washington football team calls me, I'll say, look, I'll give you Deshaun Watson. I want three ones and Chase Young. I think that's kind of my, you know, compromise there. So point being, what does the Stafford deal mean for Watson? It means that Watson is obviously his price went up a little bit, at least, you know, even though there are different circumstances, different salaries and things like that. I think Deshaun's price has gone up at least a little bit. And I think that if there's any truth to the fact that they asked the Rams for Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and ones that right there, I think Texans fans should be excited if that's the case because that means your new front office and the way you guys are doing business is not the way Bill O'Brien was doing business in terms of trading DeAndre Hopkins for like a second round pick. Like that right there, you should be excited about because that is the kind of compensation you should want. We're so used to NFL deals being like, okay, this guy wants to be traded, throw him a couple draft picks. You know, that's almost like trading you a couple IOUs. You know, you may, you may get your money, you may not. Right. Like it, that's almost the equivalent of what of what trading a draft pick for somebody like that is like, let me get your best. Uh, let me get your only car and let me write you, you know, IOUs for like, uh, uh, you know, over the market value price like that. You know, I know nah, I just want my cash, man. Give me those elite football players. Right. That's kind of how I see that. So, yes, the Watson price is probably went up. And if you're a Texans fan, you should be really excited, in my opinion, because if your team is is asking for guys like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and picks for Watson, that means they have what, in my opinion, is the appropriate value on their franchise quarterback. And, and all in all, man, again, I don't think Watson's going anywhere and not because he doesn't want to. I know he does want to, but I just think that the Houston Texans are not going to trade an elite franchise quarterback for for anything less than elite football players with picks. So it's just a very unlikely thing to happen, even though if I'm the Washington football team, I do that deal. I'll give you three ones and Chase Young. I will. You know, like, because, look, we still have a really good defense. <clears throat> we still have, and uh, and I know Chase Young is great and is going to be great, but when you're talking about getting a franchise quarterback in exchange for Chase Young, like, you don't need those first-round picks anymore. As messed up as this is going to sound, a lot of people are not going to like that I'm saying this. But if you have your franchise quarterback, and especially Watson's in his 20s still, like you can get away with building a roster through free agency and um, you know non-first-round pick draft picks. I think that that's definitely doable. We're watching, and we've seen the Rams do that, building around Jared Goff. Now you're doing that with building around Sean Watson with an already elite defense. I think you'll be just fine. All right. Um, so... Another question I got was, what's the most ideal solution to the Panthers quarterback problem? So obviously, Carolina has a quote unquote quarterback problem. Yesterday, Christian McCaffrey was asked about it. He had Teddy Bridgewater's back. And I love how he stood up for himself to that reporter in Charlotte, David Newton, ESPN's reporter. I do not like that guy. I don't think anybody likes that guy. I'm, I'm surprised he is still employed, to be honest, because everything he does just feels slimy. So anyways, um, the ideal solution to the Panthers quarterback problem. So I'm going to give you some scenarios and then I'm going to tell you what my um, preference as a Panther fan and just a general uh, analyst would be in terms of what Carolina should do. So scenario one would be trade for Deshaun Watson, right? 
I would give up half my team for Deshaun Watson and I'll throw in some picks as well. So um, that would be obviously uh, one scenario, trade for Deshaun Watson. And you probably have to give up Teddy in that case, which is totally fine. And it's actually uh, low-key, a very similar concept or, uh, in trade in terms of the trade than the, uh, what the Rams did with the Lions, right? You're giving away a guy that plays quarterback for you that you may not be all that sold on, but you're also giving away his salary, which is, I think, around $20 million a year. And um, so that means you're basically just having to split the difference with what Watson's getting paid. So that um, definitely softens the blow. And I think if Texans, if the Texans did trade Watson to Carolina, they would probably want Teddy because they do need someone to play quarterback, right? Um, and at least someone to play respectable at the position. I think Teddy Bridgewater can do that. And then scenario two, you draft one, right? Whether you trade up or whether you stay put and get your guy there, who knows? But you, I mean, probably trading up, let's be realistic. But yeah, scenario two would be to draft one. And scenario three would be ride out one more year with Teddy Bridgewater or trade Teddy for a you know, fifth round pick or whatever you can get for him right now and ride out the year with whoever the hell you want at quarterback. Um, that's a scenario as well. I guess those are two different scenarios, but basically those are the, you know, the non exciting scenarios, right. In terms of fan base, at least, but um, <clears throat> it is as far as my take, right. So the one argument I could make against Deshaun Watson for Carolina would be that even if you have Watson, are you a team that's in contention for a Super Bowl right away? You know, and and I don't I don't know that you are, but I don't know that you aren't either because we saw Matt Rule really um I mean have some success as a as a coach with a in in circumstances that that are not easy to have success in, right? First year, highest roster turnover in the NFL, um a bunch of young guys uh a bunch of young guys starting for you on defense that you just drafted. I mean, it was like I've said this before and I really mean this. If Carolina uh, if these rookies that Carolina drafted and, and also the undrafted guys they got, if they continue to play the way that they played, um, you're looking at a one of those drafts that's going to be similar uh, when we look back on it to what the New Orleans Saints did. Maybe not quite as nice, but when the when the Saints drafted Kamara and Ryan Ramchick and um, all those guys, Marshawn Lattimore, you're looking at a very similar um, kind of a – huge win of a draft like because to be able to draft that many guys that are legitimate NFL starters for you for years to come is is a very rare thing you hear my opinion on draft picks I'm not you know super keen on them but when you when you draft the way Carolina did if you could ensure that that was your draft every year well draft picks would be worth a whole lot more to me so but um so yeah I'm not sure if Carolina is necessarily a Super Bowl contender right away with Watson it just depends on what they do uh, with the rest of the offseason, but they most certainly would have one of the best offenses in the NFL, top five. But um, let's look at what Teddy Bridgewater did last year, just for shits and giggles here, right? So he was 4-11 and 11 as a starter, four wins, 11 losses, completed 69% of his passes, uh, 3,700 yards, and um, 15 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, okay? So had a that's a, that's a QBR, remember, not quarterback rating, but the ESPN metric QBR of 64.1 um, and average yards tenth of 7.6, which is very good. Most Teddy's ever had in any season. But again, it was the fact that he couldn't win the close games and it's not all his fault, but, but he couldn't win close games that I believe that Sean Watson would win. And um, let's just say Watson equals four more wins 
I think that means Carolina has what nine wins or whatever. So it's it's I don't think that puts you in Super Bowl contention, but there's still the question of who else would you add this offseason? Do you have another draft as good as what you just had? And, um, you know, I think that they'd be a Super Bowl contender, maybe not this coming year, but at least in one of the next two years after that. I think that would be fair with Deshaun Watson. And that's still um, a young Deshaun Watson, still under contract. So for me, it does still make sense. But you could at least shoot somewhat of a hole in the argument when you just say, hey, wouldn't it be better and more you know, in line with where we are as a football team currently to just draft our guy if we can get, quote unquote, our guy at in the, in the draft. And, um, so, so yeah, I think my ideal situation being as being a person that just believes strongly in proven NFL talent over draft picks, I think I'd still like Deshaun Watson, um, which, you know, I think everybody would, but, um, I also think that Drafting one, let's say this, right? I still don't know exactly how I feel about these quarterbacks so far. I need to go back and watch more. Uh, I think, um, I mean, obviously you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence, so let's just remove him from this conversation. But let's say um, Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. I like both of those guys. If we could, if the Panthers could get Zach Wilson, I would feel pretty damn comfortable in that situation, right? I think that his arm talent and the, and just his style of play would be very nice fit in in Carolina with what they do schematically and with the weapons they have around him. And honestly, he might be a rookie of the year candidate. So <clears throat> let me ask you this. We all saw what Justin Herbert did this year. What if, which would you rather have? And DM me and let me know or leave a, re, uh, a response in the reviews of the Apple podcast here. Which would you rather have? If you're the Panthers next year, would you rather have, let's assume, let's just assume that Zach Wilson is going to give you exactly what Justin Herbert gave the Chargers as a rookie. Okay, let's assume that, which is obviously very high expectations, not something that you can rely on. But would you rather have that if you're the Panthers or Deshaun Watson? Now, before you just say Watson, consider the youth that is made up of the Carolina Panthers football team, number one. Number two, consider the difference in salary. You're, you know, Deshaun's getting well over $30 million a year. Zach Wilson would be getting about $10 million a year, I believe, somewhere in that range, ballpark. Um, so gigantic uh, difference in terms of that. And, you know, young coaching staff, you know, he might, it might be the most, it might make the most sense, right? But Deshaun's only a couple years older, I'm sure. I, like Deshaun's so young that it still makes sense. So, um, you know, it's hard to – if you knew that you were going to get Justin Herbert-level production out of him as a rookie, I think that that might be, if not the best scenario for you, it's definitely one that, that you know, is certainly appealing, right? And I think that, you know, five years from now, you could look at that and say – with that extra cap space, so, you know, difference of about $20 million annually, roughly, right, give or take, I think $20 million can get you another, I'd say, at least four really good, you know, I mean, not really good starters, but like solid level starters. Um, let's call it three very good players, three guys about as good as Brashad Breeland would be, not, not you know, just at any position. Um, so it's come, the question becomes, would you rather have – Justin Herbert level production as a rookie plus three really good veteran starters that you can sign free agency, or would you rather have Deshaun Watson and, you know, probably not any other starter, right? Like it's just Deshaun Watson by himself. I think, um, 
With the Panthers, just given how young they are, I think I'd rather go with the young guy. Uh, you know, and and obviously it's not meaning just age. It means youth in terms of how long I've got that guy under a rookie contract financial financially, right? So I think I'd give a slight edge to Watson. I can't I can't bring myself to not do that. But if I knew I was getting Justin Herbert level production, I would want to draft one. Okay, and then let me just touch on the scenario of one more year of Teddy. Um, while I'm not a huge fan of that. I think it makes sense again because let's say this. Here's where that scenario makes sense. If you get to the draft and you try your ass off to trade up and you try your ass off to trade for Deshaun Watson and neither one of those things can happen and then you're sitting at number eight with um, a quarterback that you don't really love on the board, I think you just take the best player available at that point and roll with Teddy. You know, maybe you can sneak into the wild card next year if uh, if your young guys continue to develop and then you've got – I mean, hell, the like what if Brady falls off a cliff next year in terms of what he's able to do on the field and the Saints aren't quite that team without Drew Brees? Maybe you win the division. You know, Atlanta still has a lot of question marks. So I think um, you just – in that event, if you can't trade up and you can't get Deshaun, I think you just – that would be the scenario in which I roll. I just draft best player available at eight and roll with Teddy. And then maybe, you know, look at a guy in the second or third round, see if you can get lucky and, and, and uh, you know, draft a quarterback of the future from that standpoint. Because hey, you never know. If that guy comes in, you draft a guy. Let's say Mac Jones falls to the second round. You draft him in the second round, which I think is possible, by the way. I don't, I don't think that Mac Jones is an elite-level NFL talent, in, in just my opinion, so far. But <clears throat> let's say Mac Jones falls to the second round. You grab him in that spot. You let him and Teddy compete it out. That's not a bad situation because guess what? If Mac Jones doesn't doesn't look great right away, you can still draft one next year. You know what I mean? And if Teddy falls off a cliff in terms of um, doesn't even play as well as he did last year, then you'll be in a decent position, most likely a decent position to draft um, – your guy next year. So I think in that, in that case, um, yeah, that's what I would do. So anyways, guys, that's what I've got for you in this podcast. As always, it would mean a lot to me if you could share, subscribe, uh, drop a review maybe, and um, let me know what your thoughts are on what you would do or what would be the most ideal scenario for you with the, if you're the Panthers, if Justin Herbert level production was what you got out of whoever the quarterback is that you draft. Anyway, peace.